Welcome to this Christian Patriot News Memorial Weekend Update. Let's start with some breaking developments in Arizona. Greg Phillips of True the Vote, he said Little Boy has dropped in San Luis. He said Heavy's raining down. Now you can see on your screen Little Boy was the code name for the type of atomic bomb dropped on the Japanese city of Hiroshima on August 6, 1945 during World War II. It was the first nuclear weapon used in warfare. The movie, 2,000 Mules, is actually leading to arrests. Listen closely in this first clip to where the arrests are occurring, specifically in San Luis, Arizona. And the CEO and president of True the Vote, Catherine Engelbrecht, she just released a clip this morning. She says what she has coming next is so much bigger than 2,000 Mules, it boggles the mind. She says what's coming next is mind-blowing. I'll also bring you up to date on the latest in the Durham-Sussman trial, and then we'll talk about our Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. That right shall not be infringed upon, and it won't be, despite the lies, propaganda, and manipulation from our enemies. And today, I'll bring you some inspiration, first from everyday Americans like you and me, standing up, speaking up, and sharing truth far and wide. And I'll also bring you a quick, inspirational clip from President Donald J. Trump. Inflation is causing food prices to skyrocket, while the global supply chain continues to collapse. Food shortages aren't just being predicted, they're being planned. Now's the time to prepare with Christian news. Our long-term emergency food lasts for 25 years. It'll be there when you need it. Prepare with Christian News is part of the largest preparedness company in America, with millions of satisfied customers. Act now and save $150 on a three-month emergency food kit, providing a variety of delicious food, totaling over 2,000 calories a day. Stock up with at least a three-month supply of emergency food per family member. Go to www.preparewithchristiannews.com and save $150 on every three-month food kit. It's the first link in the description box below this video. Protect you and your loved ones today. Go to preparewithchristiannews.com. I want to read you a truth from Greg Phillips of True the Vote. He says, don't listen to the haters about Arizona. There were two people previously arrested in Yuma County for ballot trafficking. Both pled guilty. The recent search warrants of the NGO and leadership of that NGO are a direct result of the two guilty pleas one of which happened almost immediately following the release of 2,000 Mules. Remember the whistleblower in the movie In Shadows? The Arizona Attorney General is running this operation. He and his team are kicking butt. Clearly what's happening here is Guillermo Fuentes is facing some prison time. She wants a lighter sentence, so she's cooperating with the Attorney General's office in giving up her accomplices. And clearly one of her accomplices is Gloria Torres, who is a fellow school board member and the membership coordinator of the nonprofit organization Committee de Bien Estar. And for those of you who say that this has nothing to do with the movie 2000 Mules, I'd like to remind you that in that movie, there was a whistleblower who was a receptionist at a nonprofit organization in San Luis, Arizona, who says that she witnessed them paying money for ballots and instructed her specifically to drop off hundreds of ballots in the middle of the night at the library where the surveillance cameras were turned off. 
Now, I wonder if the nonprofit organization she's talking about happens to be Committee de Bien Estar. And I wonder if the person who instructed her to drop off those ballots happens to be Gloria Torres. I guess we'll find out shortly uh, because Greg Phillips and Catherine Engelbrecht seem to believe that there's going to be a lot more coming out in the coming days. But this is very exciting stuff. Guillermo Fuentes, a former Democrat mayor, has pled guilty to conspiracy charges and is cooperating with law enforcement. So I think this is going to get good. Maybe, just maybe, old Marky Mark Burnovich, Mr. Numchuck, Arizona Karate Kid, has decided it's in his best interest to actually prosecute some criminals. And that is all we ever wanted from you, Mark. So please, don't screw this up. Don't be a rhino. I'm begging you. All machines can be hacked. The people that are running the machines in elections are either coming in for a short term that they're from a staffing agency if they haven't been able to get enough volunteers or there are volunteers that are not, they don't do this for a living. So you've got to, you've got to find this balance between having simple to operate equipment, but that is highly secure. And that presents a challenge. It presents gaps. Um, there are a lot of ways to, um, there are a lot of ways to exploit that, and that's true. Um, we did not focus our time, clearly, on that aspect, but it, it does merit being looked at. And we do have a, um, a whole other research project that is different, separate, and apart from 2,000 mules that uh, as soon as we get some of this other stuff taken care of, get our goal is to get all of this research sort of, you know, put a bow on it, give it to the appropriate um, jurisdictions to the extent that they don't already have it or if they need more, but get that done and then move forward because we have got other stuff that we need to share with you guys. And the, one of the things that we need to share um, is so much bigger than 2,000 mules, it boggles the mind. And um, I have to say, just based upon the caliber of some of these questions that are coming in and clearly the awareness around uh, some of the, the, the more um, granular aspects of data and process, uh, you guys are going to eat this up, this next story. Um, and I guess I'm, I'm not even going to go into it. It's too much to go into, except to say um, you know, we may, actually, you know, we may, I may just come back here and do like a kind of, kind of, kind of socialize a little bit of the story and get your feedback because it is so big that we have to walk it through together um, and not and not lose lose sight of the fact that there are always solutions even in the hardest of times and even when the story comes out um, as as hard as it may be um, we have to continue to move forward so that's yeah my little setup for uh, asking you guys to just bear with us because this next story is mind-blowing. Now I'll share this about Greg Phillips and Catherine Engelbrecht. They've done a terrific job on revealing all of these truths through 2,000 mules. And now that we can see it's leading to arrests, this is getting exciting. And if what comes next is mind-blowing, sign me up. Again, they haven't disappointed yet. Now we'll move on to the latest update on the John Durham-Michael Sussman trial. 
Well, the evidence is overwhelming. I mean, the defense really didn't lay a glove on the evidence. There is a very damning text message the day before this meeting where Sussman says uh, that I, I expressly says, I'm not here representing a client. I'm just coming forth as basically a citizen. Um, the the Durham prosecution team made really short work of that and, and showed that he was billing for that time and, and he was he was intimately involved in the in the creation and distribution of the Alpha Bank scandal, which proved to be completely groundless. But there were moments at the trial that were really quite uh, breathtaking. I mean, and you can see what Durham's up against. At one point, he asked Baker, the former FBI general counsel, uh, one, of, one of the lawyers asked, why did you wait to give us, hand over that, that incriminating text? And he just said, Sussman's a friend of mine. This is your investigation, not mine. And all of us were like, wow, because you were one of the top people of the FBI, and you're talking to the Justice Department. So, you know, for somebody sitting at home, and we've been putting out the facts and putting out the day-to-day -day developments, but piece it all together for them. Why does this matter? Well, it matters a lot. We have learned a lot. Uh, it is, there's been questions raised as to why the Mueller investigation did not uncover or reveal some of these details. What we now have is a very clear pattern in both the Steele dossier and the Alpha Bank scandal. Both of them originated with the Clinton campaign. The Clinton campaign hid the funding of the Steele dossier. It was recently fined by the FEC for doing that. Um, so they pushed these two separate parallel tracks. Both went to the FBI. Both went to the CIA. Both went to favorable people in the media, and they unleashed this torrent of media attention. Without telling them that it originally came from somebody tied to the campaign. That's right. And what was really telling it, and this came out the, towards the end of the trial, one of the FBI agents sent a note saying that, that James Comey, the former director of the FBI, and all of his leadership aides were, quote, fired up. To, to get going on the Alpha Bank uh, uh, allegations. What was striking about that is that the researchers that put this together said that they were afraid they'd be mocked. They actually said, what if these people are smart enough to see through this? How are we going to answer that? And the response was, we just need a narrative. Well, you know what? The Clint people were right, because when it went over to the FBI, apparently, according to this agent, James Comey and the rest of the FBI were chomping at the bit. Yeah, as was the media in large part. Let me just read this from Andy McCarthy. FBI leadership during Russiagate makes Durham's job in Sussman trial very tricky. He said he was not representing a client when, in fact, he was representing the Clinton campaign. There's no doubt he said it. There's no doubt it wasn't true. Case closed. Except down here on planet Earth, it never, it's never that simple. The crime is not making a false statement. It's making a false statement to the FBI. The problem for Durham, how does he prove that Sussman's false statement mattered when the agents were also being misled by their own bosses? Yeah, Fair I disagree. Yeah, actually, I, 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 I almost always agree with Andy. But yeah. I, I disagree on this one point, and that is um, it's true that the agents were told that this came from uh, the Department of Justice. It did. It was referred through Baker. That was the whole reason Sussman went to him. But Baker said, I would have handled this differently if I knew it was from the campaign. With the recent Sussman trial, with the indictments, with the uh, uh, Robbie Mook admission that Hillary knew about it and allowed it to happen, do you think people will go to jail for what they did to you, your family, and your administration? Well, let me put it this way. If this were the other way around and it were Republicans instead of Democrats, 
uh, they would have been given the death penalty already. Okay, yeah. that's how bad it would have been. And this is a disgrace. And, and Bill Barr should have done it while he was there. And the attorney general now, I mean, he's a respected person. Now, he may look at it that way because what's happening is it's extremely corrupt. But we're suing civilly. I don't know if you know that. Yes. But, you know, I have a very big trial. And we're suing civilly. And we'll see that. But, you know, they should be able to go through that through the government. But we're bringing suits against many of these people civilly. No, what they did was a scam. It was a hoax. And they knew about it. You know, they knew about this was a hoax. Adam Schiff got up and he said, Donald Trump Jr. will go to jail for what he did on Russia, Russia, Russia. And Adam Schiff knew it was a hoax. How bad do you have to be to make a statement like that, knowing that it was a total, you know, scam? He knew it was untrue. So now it's been proven that it's been untrue. And, you know, just unbelievable. When I agree with you that the crime of the century is what they did with the election, because it was a rigged and stolen election, and it's been proven many different ways. And, you know, the big lie. So the big lie is the big lie in reverse. And they use that as like a phrase. You could give them all the information. You could have it on camera, which which 2,000 Mules does, by the way. Yeah. You, the truth to vote people are amazing. But you could have it on camera. It doesn't matter. Their whole thing is uh, the big lie. That's just a manufactured term that they use. Yeah. And no matter what you say, no matter what you come up, they say, well, the big lie, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So these are very corrupt people. Our media is corrupt. Mr. We're facing more threats than ever before. When world leaders warn of global food shortages, including here in the U.S., it's time to act. Go to prepare with Christian News and get your long-term emergency food storage. We don't know when more empty store shelves may hit, so now is the best time to act. Prepare with Christian News is part of the number one preparedness company in America with millions of satisfied customers. Act quickly and save $150 on a three-month emergency food kit. This kit provides breakfasts lunches, dinners, and drinks totaling over 2,000 calories a day. Every family in America should have at least a three-month supply of food per person. Now you can. Go to preparewithchristiannews.com and save $150 on your three-month food kits. It's like an insurance policy that you can eat. And remember, when you support my sponsors, you're supporting this frontline soldier. In New Mexico, many of the teachers carry guns, just in case. Show me your weapons and tell me what they are. 45, sir. 45. Mr. Pastor, this is the 45. Yes, Director of Security, 45. The pastor carries a 45 in a case that looks like a Bible. The principal is also armed with a 38 semi-automatic pistol. How many of you feel safer knowing that your teacher has a gun? All of you. There's a whole lot of people in here talking tonight about this group and that group, and domestic violence and blacks. These minorities and that minority. What I want to know is, when are you all going to start standing up for the majority? And here's who the majority is. I'm the majority. I'm a law-abiding citizen who's never shot anybody, never committed a serious crime, never committed a felony. I've never done anything like that. But it seems like every time we have one of these shootings, nobody wants to blame, put the blame where it goes, which is at the shooter's feet. You want to put it at my feet. You want to turn around and restrict my right, constitutional right that's spelled out in black and white. You want to restrict my right to buy a firearm and protect myself from some of the very people you're talking about in here tonight. It's ridiculous. I don't think Rod Serling could come up with a better script. 
It does not make any sense. The law-abiding citizens of this community and many communities around this country, we're the first ones taxed and the last ones considered and the first ones punished when things like this happens because our rights are the ones that are being taken away. That's the reason why I came out here today, gun show or no gun show, NRA or no NRA. I'm here to stand up for the law-abiding citizens of this community because I'm going to tell you that what's going to happen. You can take the guns away from us all you want to. You all write a law, I follow the law, I'll bring my guns down here, I'll turn them in. But here's what's going to happen. The Crips and the Bloods on the other side of town, they're not going to turn their guns in. They're going to hold on to them. And what's going to happen when you have to send the police down there to go take it? The police can barely enforce the law as it is. As what I see, we demonize the police, criminalize and, and, and vilify the police, and we make the criminals into victims. And we're talking about restricting guns? How are you going to do that? How are you going to do that when the police department's already hamstrung? You're not going to be able to go down here and take these guns from these criminals. So the criminals are going to hold on to their guns. They're still going to have them. They're still going to break in my house, and they're still going to shoot me with them. And guess who's going to be the one that suffers? It's going to be me. Well, I'm here to tell you tonight, it is not going to happen without a fight. And when I say fight, I don't mean shots fired. I don't mean fist thrown. I mean I'm going to come down here to this city council and raise hell just like these loonies from the left do until you listen to the majority of the people in this city. And I am the majority. The majority of the people in this city are law-abiding, and they follow the law, and they want their constitutional right to be able to bear, to bear arms. They want to be able to gun go to the gun show and buy a hunting rifle or sport, a sport rifle. There are no military-grade weapons sold, sold, uh, sold at the uh, gun show. An AR-15 is not a military-grade weapon. Anybody that would go into combat with an AR-15 is a fool. It's a semi-automatic 22 rifle. You'd be killed in 15 minutes in combat with that thing. So we need to dispel all these myths, and we need to drop all this, all this division that we got going on here. Because the bottom line is, when that Second Amendment was written, whether the framers liked it or not, they wrote it for everybody. And I am everybody. And the law abiding citizens of this city are everybody. And we want our rights, and we want to keep our rights. And by God, we're going to keep them, come hell or high water. Good evening. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you for your service. Obviously, you guys give of yourselves to, to do what you're doing. The community, I think we recognize that now that the political juice has been sucked out of the mass distraction, that we have to move forward. And one of the things I wanted to thank you for tonight was the resolution, the non-discrimination resolution, the CRT deal. Because it's, it's happening, and as a parent, I speak to other parents, there's a few things that we don't want. I'm biracial, I'm bilingual, I'm multicultural. The fact is, in America, in North Carolina, I can do anything I want, and I teach that to my children. And the person who tells my little pecan-colored kids that they're somehow oppressed based on the color of their skin would be absolutely wrong and absolutely at war with me. And I think that's the same for every parent. What the mask showed us is that the parents, the most powerful group of people in our country, that they're taking back the wheel. Now, obviously, we had to take the wheel back for the mask, but we're taking the wheel back from Washington all the way to Raleigh and into our local school board because CRT, all of that, the parents don't want it. 
It's a big fat lie. There's not one belief. If, if you believe in CRT, I want to tell you you're a liar. Because that means you look at your black neighbor and say that they're oppressed. And you look at your white neighbor and say that they're evil, regardless of the experience that you've had with them. And we're not going to do that. The parents in the United States of America, right here in North Carolina and Cabarrus County, we know that's not true because we believe the lives we live. The fact is, I've been a business owner right here in North Carolina, and I deal with white people, black people, Hispanic people. My children deal with everybody. And the racism is only happening at the government level and on the media. The fact is, you have racists, and there's like, you can't even find them hardly. You just hear the stories about them. But this is, this is what we're dealing with. The parents are taking the wheel. I have an eight-year-old daughter who is absolutely dynamic, who can do anything, athletically, intellectually, spiritually, and emotionally. She is a dynamo. And I don't want a man swimming against her in the pool. The fact is, I don't want her playing against boys in soccer. I don't even let my sons rough her up. Do you think I'm going to let your son rough her up? This is what we're talking about. Policy going back to the parents. Because if you think people who love America are willing to fight for it, you haven't met parents yet. Because I'm telling you, parents will go further down any street than anyone who loves their country alone. My name is Brian Echeverria. I thank you for your service, and we're taking back the wheel. Thank you. I never dreamed that I would have to face the prospect of not living in the United States of America, at least not the one I've known all my life. I've never wished to live anywhere else. This is my home, and I was privileged to be born here. But today I woke up, and as I had my morning coffee, I realized that everything is about to change. No matter how I vote, no matter what, I say something evil has invaded our nation, and our lives are never going to be the same. I've been confused by the hostility of family and friends. I look at people I've known all my life, so hate-filled that they agree with opinions they would never express as their own. I think I may have, well, entered the twilight zone. We become a nation that has lost its collective mind. You can't justify this insanity. If a guy pretends to be a woman, you're required to pretend with him. Somehow, it's un-American for the census to count how many Americans are in America. Russians influencing our elections are bad, but illegals voting in our elections are good. It was cool for Joe Biden to blackmail the president of Ukraine, but it's an impeachable offense if Donald Trump inquires about it. 20 is too young to drink a beer, but 18 is old enough to vote. People who have never owned slaves should pay slavery reparations to people who have never been slaves. People who have never been to college should pay the debts of college students who took out huge loans for their degrees. Immigrants with tuberculosis and polio are welcome, but you'd better be able to prove your dog is vaccinated. Irish doctors and German engineers who want to immigrate to the U.S. must go through a rigorous vetting process, but any illiterate gangbangers who jump the southern fence are welcome. $5 billion for border security is too expensive, but $1.5 trillion for free health care is not. If you cheat to get into college, you go to prison, but if you cheat to get into the country, you go to college for free. People who say there is no such thing as gender are demanding a female president. We see other countries going socialist and collapsing, but it seems like a great plan to us. Some people are held responsible for things that happened before they were born, and other people are not held responsible for what they're doing right now. Criminals are caught and released to hurt more people, but stopping them is bad because it's a violation of their rights. And pointing out all this hypocrisy somehow makes us racist. Nothing makes sense anymore. 
No values, no morals, and no civility. People are dying of a Chinese virus, but it's racist to refer to it as Chinese, even though it began in China. We're clearly living in an upside-down world where right is wrong and wrong is right, where moral is immoral and immoral is moral, where good is evil and evil is good, where killing murderers is wrong, but killing unborn babies is a-okay. Wake up, America. The great unsinkable ship, Titanic America, has hit an iceberg, is taking on water, and is sinking fast. Speak up. Some of you hearing my voice right now, you've been blessed tremendously by God in the area of finances. God gives some people a very special financial anointing, and they prosper in everything they do. And quite often, God gives such people a heart of generosity. Please contact me personally to step up and sponsor a show. My personal email address is Christian News at protonmail.com. It's on your screen now. Please use the subject line, Sponsor a Show. I'm not talking about advertising a product or a service. Those are advertisers. I'm talking about supporting me and my beautiful wife personally for our work as digital soldiers, sharing truth far and wide. Thank you in advance for your incredible generosity. We are truly grateful. Each American generation passes the torch of truth, liberty, and justice in an unbroken chain all the way down to the present. That torch is now in our hands, and we will use it to light up the world. I am here tonight to deliver a message of unity and strength, and it is a message deeply delivered from my heart. A new chapter of American greatness is now beginning. A new national pride is sweeping across our nation. And a new surge of optimism is placing impossible dreams firmly within our grasp. What we are witnessing today is the renewal of the American spirit. Our allies will find that America is once again ready to lead. I am asking all citizens to embrace this renewal of the American spirit. I am asking all members of Congress to join me in dreaming big and bold and daring things for our country. I am asking everyone watching tonight to seize this moment, believe in yourselves, believe in your future, and believe once more in America. Thank you, God bless you, and God bless the United States. Let's move from the here and now, those things that are temporary, all things Q, current events and news stories, and let's fix our eyes on that which is eternal. Let's set our eyes and our minds and our hearts on our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, our Heavenly Father. Today, let's continue in our series, A Biblical Worldview. Prophecy is one of the things that convinced me beyond any shadow of a doubt to just believe in the accuracy of the Bible. There are over 300 prophecies recorded in Scripture about the coming of Jesus. Now, this is just concerning the coming of Jesus. There are literally hundreds of other prophecies 
that are just so accurate, it's amazing. In Psalms chapter 69, in verse 8, it prophesied that Jesus would be a stranger to his brethren and an alien to his mother's children. It says, I am become a stranger unto my brethren and an alien unto my mother's children. This was fulfilled in John chapter 1, verse 11, and also in John chapter 7, verse 5. There's a number of instances where it says that his brethren didn't believe in him. John 7, 5 says, For neither did his brethren believe in him. In Psalms chapter 69, verse 9, it says, For the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up, and the reproaches of them that reproach thee are fallen upon me. Both John chapter 2, verse 17, and Romans chapter 15, verse 3, cite this Psalm 69 passage and say that this was fulfilled in Jesus when he made the whip and he drove the money changers out of the temple. This was prophesied hundreds of years before, and yet it came to pass perfectly. In John chapter 2, verse 17, it says, His disciples remembered that it was written, The zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. That's quotation from Psalms chapter 69, verse 9. In Romans chapter 15, verse 3, it says, For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproach thee fell upon me. So those things were fulfilled perfectly. Psalms chapter 69, verse 21, it says, They gave me also gall for my meat, and in my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. And this was literally fulfilled as Jesus hung on the cross. Matthew chapter 27, verse 34 says, They gave him vinegar to drink, mingled with gall, and when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. Also, Matthew chapter 27, verse 48 says, And straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. So there again is another prophecy that is very specific vinegar mingled with gall. That was prophesied hundreds of years before, and it came to pass in Jesus. In Isaiah chapter 53, and in verse 3, it says, He is despised and rejected of man, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Now, of course, this was fulfilled in the crucifixion of Jesus. But think about this. Isaiah was writing hundreds of years before the time of Jesus, and he was writing about God becoming flesh and living in this earth. And he was writing that God would be despised and rejected of man, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Did you know nobody in the natural would have ever suspected that God would come into this world and be despised and rejected. If you were to go back to Isaiah chapter 53, verses 1 through 4, it talks about that when Jesus comes, He's like a root out of dry ground. There is no beauty in Him. There is no comeliness. There is nothing in Jesus that made Him desirable above anybody else. You know, if I would have been God and if I would have loved men enough to come to this earth and die for them, I guarantee you I wouldn't have come as somebody who wasn't perfect. I would have been the greatest specimen of human flesh that had ever existed. I'd have been the most handsome man that ever lived. I'd have been the biggest, the strongest. And yet Jesus came in a way that there was nothing in him to be desired. He became like we were. He became natural. He became normal in every sense of the word without sin. That's amazing. And the fact that anybody would prophesy this. You know, Isaiah is also the one that prophesied 
that a virgin would be with child and would conceive and that we, his, He would be God with us, Emmanuel, God with us, and He would be the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. All of these things. Man, to say these things, that a virgin was going to have a child, that is phenomenal. And yet it came to pass just exactly in Luke chapter 1 where the angel appeared unto Mary and she was a virgin and she conceived and had a child. All of these things are proofs of the accuracy of Scripture. In Isaiah chapter 53, verse 4, it says, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. Matthew chapter 8, verse 17 says that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, He himself took our infirmities and bear our sicknesses. Matthew quoted Isaiah's prophecy as being fulfilled when Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law and all of the people that came for healing. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, it says, "...who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed." Did you know that's again going back to Isaiah chapter 53 and saying that this was fulfilled in Jesus. And remember that Isaiah was writing hundreds of years before the time of Jesus. And this was also when crucifixion was not used as a form of execution. The Romans are the ones that brought that into being. And the Roman Empire did not exist at the time that Isaiah was writing this. So again, this shows that they were moved by the Holy Spirit, that it was God-breathed. God inspired this. There is nobody that would have ever have thought of crucifixion and by the stripes of Jesus that they would be healed. In Psalms chapter 22, verse 16, it says, For dogs have compassed me, The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. Notice also Zechariah chapter 12 verse 10 says, And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. And they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son and shall be in bitterness for him as one that it is bitterness for his firstborn. So here again are hundreds of years before the time that crucifixion was used as a mean of execution. Hundreds of years before the Roman uh, Empire came into being and crucifixion was put in as the method of execution. And it was prophesying crucifixion, piercing his hands and feet. Look at this in John chapter 19, verse 37. And again, another scripture saith, They shall look on him whom they pierced. That's quoting from Zechariah chapter 12. And so Jesus' hands and feet were pierced and his side was pierced. Also, it says that in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 9, it says, He made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. You know, this is amazing to me. Again, hundreds of years before Jesus came, Isaiah prophesied that he would make his grave with the wicked and with the rich. You know, those things are usually not combined. We often say things that, you know, it's the poor people, it's the people who are uh, in all of this, um, you know, tragic situations who do all of these things. And we look at the rich as the refined people and things like this. And yet this scripture combines the rich and the wicked 
that Jesus would make his grave with them. How could a prophecy like that be fulfilled? Well, the fulfillment of it was in Matthew chapter 27, verse 38, he was crucified between two thieves. It says, Then were two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand and one on the left. But Jesus was buried in a rich man's tomb. Matthew chapter 27, verse 57 says, When even was come, there came a rich man of Arimathea named Joseph, who also himself was Jesus' disciple. And he went to Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be delivered. And when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his own new tomb which he had hewn out in the rock, and he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulcher and departed. So anyway, there are hundreds of other specific prophecies that have been fulfilled that nobody could have fulfilled all of them. Maybe some people might have fulfilled one of them, but to fulfill all of these 300 prophecies concerning Jesus, this is, uh, I mean, infallible proof for anybody who's got an open heart and will honestly consider all of these claims. This is infallible proof in the accuracy of the Bible. Did you know when Billy Graham died in February of 2018, the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association put on a documentary about him. I think it was a two-hour documentary, and I watched this, and they said that Billy Graham had a crisis himself about the accuracy of the Bible back in 1949, that he was with Youth for Christ. He was preaching with a group of his fellow ministers. And of course, they were using scriptures and preaching. And Billy was preaching that the Word of God is accurate, infallible. And some of his fellow ministers challenged him on that and said, you can't take the Bible literally. God's Word is in there, but you have to pick and choose. There's things that don't fit. And so Billy Graham went through the same thing that I went through when he was challenged over his faith in the accuracy of the Bible. And for a period of time, he began to question that and wonder. And finally, he was out in the woods. The way I remember it was he was praying and had his Bible on a stump, and he was praying. And the Lord just spoke to him and said, Billy, you have to accept that this is my word by faith. You just have to believe it. And he made a decision right then that he was going to believe every single verse in the Bible. And he said it was a turning point. That was in 1949. It was right after that. Billy's next meeting was the Los Angeles Crusade in 1949. That's when Randolph Hearst said, Puff Graham, and the newspapers took it. And that's when his ministry exploded and everything began to work. I tell you, nobody is going to be successful proclaiming the gospel or receiving all of the benefits of the gospel without believing in the accuracy of Scripture. Thanks for watching today. Please support my work as a frontline soldier, sharing truth far and wide. I've got links to Give, Send, Go, DonorBox, BuyMeACoffee.com, and my Cash App all in the description box below this video. If the links don't work, it's no trouble. Simply visit www.givesendgo. That's givesendgo.com and hit the search icon. Enter my name. It's Christian Space, Patriot Space News, and I'll come up. Thank you in advance for your incredible generosity. I cannot do this without you, and together we will win, especially the good fight of faith and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For those of us who put our faith, 
and our hope and our trust in him.